Smartcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hold on to your butts. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Westmead demands. Now this affects Iris. Um, Iris, where are you? What you feel only matters to you. I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. Iris, I have a tip for you. Don't take drugs! Or whatever movies with Wesley and Iris. What up? And welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host, Iris, and I'm here with my older brother. Wesley. Was that an AI, Wesley? <laughs> that was my Nermata, Wesley. <laughs> to bring you this week's Flash... What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Today we're discussing a movie from 2023, set in 2070. The Golden Child. See, you said it, not me. <laughs> You were thinking it the whole I time. I swore to myself I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> uh. <laughs> because you know that The Golden Child is one of my favorite movies of all time. We would go to the movie store like a couple times a week. And probably every other time I would rent <laughs> The Golden Child. <laughs> you would think that mom and dad would have picked it up on VHS. Uh, yeah, right? I do remember watching it repeatedly, but I, I thought we had the VHS or at least some janky form of it. And I was going to be like, ah, 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 I am the creator. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Has anyone seen The Golden Child? Dude, there are so many similarities. There's the, the, the very special bald Asian kid who in in this movie is a girl. And in The Golden Child was a boy, but was played by a girl. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So they're not replicants like a la Blade Runner, although this is kind of like Blade Runner post-apocalyptically. Why does the AI, some of AI, want to look human? Is that to garner trust or like community with the humans? Because some of them look just like robots straight out of Star Wars. But even though they're human, they're also half-ass human. With like the ear holes and the visible servos and all that stuff? I have so much to say about this. So I'm not as familiar with replicants as I am with Cylons. Yeah, I was a Cylons. big Battlestar Galactica reboot fan. Yeah. And the Cylons are completely indistinguishable from actual humans. There's like the droids from Attack of the Clones. And those, I think, are the less sophisticated simulants. They are the grunts. They're the first line of defense in the police force, but not necessarily like the detective, which I think Omni represented. And then there's the more sophisticated AI that has the human, that wears the human mask in order to be 
more presentable. But I would think that if simulants just want to be accepted and they want to live freely and in peace, that they could just go for the full head mask and like try and trick people and probably in many cases get away with it and be free. See, now I understand. They The point is not to, to be passing like Nella Larson style. So if you're proud of who you are, then you don't have to pass exactly. So they're like, I'm like you, but I also want you to recognize that I'm not like you at all. I think it's intentional. Maybe there's some kind of law where you cannot impersonate a human. Yeah. That you have to be you have to represent but i was also thinking when drew develops a relationship with babe and he's like hey babe and then john david washington's like all giving him crap and being like babe <laughs> babe <laughs> uh don't you like record babe and like have a backup of babe in case babe goes down and then yeah. you plug babe into another simulant see that's a problem that i had with the ultimate resolution of this movie on the whole you always have backups and that's the strength of being a simulant but we'll get to that Omni's the one who dies and establishes the transfer of the USB drive of memory and personality that you can transfer it between the simulants. Because he wakes up in another body and he sees his own body, but they've only, for some reason, they only have a few seconds with him in order to extract information from him. And a very clear setup that this is going to come to play later on, this transferring of personality. So what I didn't understand initially is why Maya turns on Joshua when she finds out that he's not what he said he was or like you promised you would never go back or whatever and then she leaves why does Maya run off and when she's human but then Nomad destroys her I, like why would Nomad why would it be coming after John David Washington or Joshua and why would Nomad destroy Maya who, who was human well, because Maya was the creator. She was Nirmata. So Joshua was undercover. He was Im embedded or whatever, and then he fell in love. And he, and at the time, he believed that Maya, his wife, was Nirmata's daughter. But then, you know, I don't I don't know if he went rogue, because it, it sounds like he didn't officially defect or go rogue. And so she was all pissed because she, she was like, I thought you were out, which is a little hypocritical, because she obviously had her own secret. But basically, he was saying, come with me. I'm a part of the people who hate what you created. And she's like, no, I'm going to go with my family, even if they're AI. Yep. And so the basis of her child, who was bombed along with Maya out of existence, was eventually Alfie, who was the weapon AI created to destroy the Nomad in yes. one way or another, and, to shut it down or whatever. And Nirmata, Maya created Alfie in parallel with her own biological creation. Who was dead. And she clearly wasn't pregnant when she was on that slab. And they had to have been downloading her, right? Yeah. Joshua and Maya don't die on Nomad in the end. Mm, I, I don't know. Unfortunately, the creator is not going to get a sequel. It was a box office, pretty much a box office bomb. And Gareth Edwards, our director, has no interest he feels it's a one-off, self-contained story and was perfectly content with killing them, at least on screen. But I would have, just like Exorcist Believer, I wanted, in my head, all the way home, I was recreating my ideal version ending of this movie. Ending or sequel? Ending. I mean, my ending would have allowed for a sequel. So, begging the question much, tell us your ending, Wes. All right. 
we know that Joshua can't get the, he talks all the time about going to heaven and how he feels irredeemable as a person who won't go to heaven. And of course, it's unlikely that Alfie will make it to heaven. But Joshua can't get the stupid door open. The reason they can't both escape is because he can't get the door open to get his big ass human body through the opening. It's like the lamest thing ever. You can't get through because you're stuck in the door. What is this, The Shining? You can't just lay your body on top of the door and find a way to balance it on the ocean? Yeah, something. Something. <laughs> So Alfie's begging him, just try harder, right? Because his human strength is almost enough, but is not enough. And because we knew that the golden child was going to wake the uh, Maya up, didn't you expect her to come striding out of the fog and wrench the door open with her robot strength? Oh, hey. But then would all, all three of them would have gotten into the pod and escaped? I get that Joshua was willing to die and in his mind had redeemed himself for he thought maybe he has a chance of... They all could have survived. On top of that, Maya, because she's a simulant, might have, you know, sustained some damage. So imagine this. She comes out of the fog with a Maya clone under each arm. And she throws herself in the opening and uses her robot strength, her arms, or even if it means damaging her arms and her legs or hands or whatever. And then while they're escaping Nomad in the escape pod, she just changes out her damaged parts, Wally style, like touching up her makeup in the pod. And then sure. she has like backup parts forever. She's like mom forever. And yeah. picture this. And if Joshua like got kind of hot watching her change out her robot parts, that would have communicated to the audience. Like if he had a robot fetish or whatever, then we could see how truly accepting he is of her as a simulant. Because having a mi like a mixed AI family would have been a testament to Joshua's humanity and kind of our humanity as the viewer coming around and embracing the AI. Uh, because it's obvious he would have been just as happy with robot Maya as with the actual Maya. But it's true. I mean, as long as Joshua was in the escape pod, for all intents and purposes, Alfie and Maya could have just been even clinging to the outside until it landed or something, right? <laughs> and still survived. They could have had their happy, crappy Jerry Maguire ending and they didn't have to die. So you didn't want them to die. Well, I guess that's kind of a good sign. I mean, at the very least, we could have had Alfie tucked away in the pod and crying and John David Washington saying, I'm going to heaven, you know, little guy or little gal. And she's clutching two memory sticks of her parents, you know. Can you download a human memory? I, well, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm saying <laughs> it, they didn't have to go out like that. Even if it didn't have a sequel, it could have had a better, more hopeful ending because we don't really get a resolution to the war. There's obviously still division. And in the real world, there are conflicts, conflicts happening today. It never really ends. It just gets put on hold and they find a temporary reprieve, a, a resolution that staves off further issues for a little while. But it always comes back around. So basically the war between humans and AI, not over, even if Nomad, it was obliterated. Right. Like you can always build another Nomad, Nomad yeah. 2. Yeah. The, you can kill Quaritch, major spoiler, but Quaritch is going to come back for like five Avatar sequels. Disney knows the, what they have in the Avatars and, and they're going to forge ahead with all of them. Not so much with the creator. Seems like a one-off, which is kind of a shame because... I love how practically this movie was shot. Gareth Edwards maintains no green screens whatsoever, traveled 10,000 miles to various locations, and it really shows. Can you imagine that this movie, in the face of movies like even Godzilla or Rogue One or any of the Marvel movies, this movie only cost like $85 million? 
I mean, that's interesting. How much was Christopher Nolan's Tenet? I think it was it was very it was at least two hundred million. Indiana Whoa. Jones, for God's sake, was three hundred million. Whoa! Yeah, I'm just saying. Uh, Gareth Edwards is this guy. He's the guy we talked about, or should have, with Robert Rodriguez or whatever, who comes from, he did special effects as a living, like uh, Neil Blomkamp, and really has the capacity to turn a very small budget into something that looks absolutely amazing. It's a very specific kind of filmmaker that sometimes works and sometimes doesn't. When you get the people who have no money and churn out good independent cinema, like Robert Rodriguez, arguably good, and then just is bewildered when you have a massive budget. It, it, it still looks cheap. I don't think this movie looks cheap. I'm not sure that it's as polished as maybe the shiny movies that we would see. But this whole thing, this post-apocalyptic, gritty kind of feel is very apropos and I think really effective. Yeah, because today's budget studio movie is like $30 million. And this is a this is supposed to be a big, and it looks big, this is a big movie. So $80 million is quite conservative. And I think it explains the featured review on, on, on IMDb that says the creator uses its budget masterfully, but it's not without its problems. I suggested the creator because I felt that this was exactly Brian's type of movie. Was I right? Yeah. Oh, through and through. 100%. I turned to him like, Maybe 15, 20 minutes in, I was like, this is totally you, right? He was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and you know what's ironic is I think I might have had a bigger jump, a bigger jump scare in the creator than I did in Exorcist. Not Weaver. possible. <laughs> when his buddy, Drew, is still alive and shoots his arm up <laughs> and grabs Joshua. See, but you weren't even, were you even primed for horror? Like <sighs> even in a not, like were you tense at that moment and it just released the spring? I, I, I just think I was not expecting it. It was the last <laughs> thing I expected. And I, and I sent, I sent both Brian and the dude who was sitting on my left, like rolling with laughter. <laughs> That is pretty funny. I don't think of myself as jumpy, but whoa. It's the huge benefit of seeing a movie with you in person is your reactions. Uh, That was my fondest memory of The Exorcist Uh, Believer. Probably not Kelly's, though, as she swept the popcorn off her lap. I I do think that this is necessary. We saw it in IMAX, and I think it's a great theatrical presentation. I'm sure that it's fine on the small screen, but it's worth it, I think, seeing it in theaters. And very few people actually did. It's gone. Like Barbenheimer is still in theaters, at least in in partial showings in my theater. And that preceded the creator by two full months. And creator is long gone already. It's too bad. What is it about the creator that it bombed? John David Washington's a leading man. Yeah, yeah, he is. So distracting in how much he looks and especially sounds like his dad that it it kind of drew me out a little bit. I was a little bit distracted. I was like, man... John David Washington needs to keep that beard because that's the only thing distinguishing him. Otherwise, it's too uncanny. <laughs> that's I don't know about that. I get glimpses and reminders, but I don't see it constantly. Maybe not see, but hearing his voice is exactly pitched like his dad, Denzel Washington's. And I found that the most trippy. Like if I close my eyes, then it becomes almost indistinguishable. He doesn't look exactly like his dad, but it's enough. It's there. So it's a constant nagging reminder to me. Yeah, John David Washington can carry a big movie like this. He seems like a really hardworking actor and that he puts his all And he has, and he's really great at emoting too. Like he can do the action stuff. He can do the emotional stuff. I thought that he was really appropriate. This role seemed very suited for him. 
I think he fits nicely after Tenet, which was a little bit of a letdown in my humble opinion. Uh, he's still going the sci-fi route. Unfortunately, this one didn't do terribly well uh, in the theater, but I think he had a, you know, a strong performance. Going back to your earlier question about why this movie failed, uh, you brought up the L.A. thing, and it's kind of disparaging of L.A. a little bit. Humans definitely seem to be in the wrong in the race against A.I. That at least at least is Gareth Edwards' position. It would seem that we're jumping the gun, as it were. But uh, L.A. gets bombed, and people in L.A. and Hollywood don't tend to like things like that. Also, there was some audience backlash because I guess one of the original trailers that I don't recall in showing the nuclear annihilation footage used actual footage of the Beirut explosion. That's really tragic because hundreds of people died, 7,000 people injured, you know, 15 billion in damage. And they thought it was in very poor taste to use any version of that real life explosion in a movie th- movie trailer. So they didn't use that for the recreation for for the actual Los Angeles explosion or mushroom cloud, but we've had an endless debate about how Hollywood approaches these kind of new original stories, particularly in sci-fi, so with no basis in pre-existing material, who there was no built-in fan base who was embracing it. I don't know that Gareth Edwards is a marquee enough director that he could command viewership based on a concept and a trailer. Uh, I personally didn't love the Aerosmith Dream On style trailer and didn't think it looked amazing, but was willing to give it a shot because they had a good critical reception. But I I didn't have like, I wasn't excited, super excited for the creator. And it seems nobody else was either. Brian suggests that the creator suffered from lack of promotion by the actors themselves, that the strike has really hampered people just knowing about the creator, people who aren't movie aficionados and who aren't anticipating the latest release. And maybe if they saw John David Washington on the press circuit and Alice and Janney, you know, touting her villainous turn in the creator that people might have come out. It's true that that was very unfortunate timing. They weren't allowed to, well, you know, in order to, for solidarity, they didn't promote the creator and they were on the picket lines but also there were no a-list stars in this movie john david washington sure we know his name allison janney i knew and and ken watanabe but are any of them enough are the john, john david washington crowd are they enough to turn out in force and make the creator a box office success i'm not sure i mean who is right there's a handful of people in the world who are yeah, which didn't work anyway. Uh, Tom Cruise and Harrison Ford both failed to live up to expectations this summer. It's been a weird... If you're not Barbie or Oppenheimer, you're going to have a tough time this year at the box office. But going back to Alice and Janney's Howell character, is she villainous? Because I maintained in a Sarah Connor style way that she was, she maintained this weird patriotism for humanity, at least. I believed the story about her son, whereas Kelly Ray absolutely did not. She thought Hmm. that it was manufactured. It was to get into Joshua's head. But I believe that that kind of trauma could twist her into this version of who she was, where she was blinded to any concept of uh, the humanity within the AI. And all she wanted to do was destroy it at whatever cost. It did seem personal for Jan- uh, for Janie's Howell character. You know, a lot of the military types can hide behind orders and they kind of have a more of like a grunt. You know, I follow my orders like command type attitude. But she seemed like she had a personal vendetta 
against AI and whether it was because of her son or because of some other principle is kind of hard to know. She definitely proved herself to be manipulative because the footage of Maya was was faked. Yeah. So it's it's so hard. You just you call into question anything that she does or say or says because she flat out manipulates Joshua to do what she needs him to do. Well, how about this? Did you believe the story about the son? At, at the time I did. But now looking back at it, I'm like, mm, probably not. Maybe it's just because I love Allison Janney. I love Allison Janney so much. And, and it was a unique kind of role for her. I mean, she was pretty tough. She was she was like tough as nails and commanding and kind of scary. Yeah. I like that she was sort of drawn and like monotone and, and hopeless, but also steadfast in her mission. I liked her yeah. we- weary authority. Um, and, and it was just fun to watch. I think that John David Washington was fine in his role. I think he's very athletic and, and he's got his dad's emo- emotiveness or whatever. I bought him as sort of an everyman who's kind of thrust in this war, who's not really an everyman. He's definitely a specialist, but the person that could be, you know, you could, I don't know. I feel like I could see the hope in that dude's eyes. Yeah. Like, I don't have a bad taste in my mouth about this movie because of his very human portrayal and ultimately coming around and regard for not only robot Maya, but also from the start, robot uh, Alfie. Why can't we produce? Why can't we mass produce Alfie? Maybe she he, Alfie just didn't go into the Alfie room because that would have been too crazy. But the Mayas are all over the place. I'm telling you, saying we could have used that definitely to our advantage. So Ken Watanabe, did the pairing of Ken Watanabe and John David Washington not give you some kind of Christopher Nolan vibes? It absolutely did. It gave me ten not well Tenet obviously and in, then in Inception. When, where Ken Watanabe starred, but also it felt like Rogue One. It felt vaguely like a very niche Star Wars story. It felt like Avatar and The Golden Child and Blade Runner and movies of this type. It all it seemed to fit nicely into my little sci-fi pocket of, of respect and the reserve that I have for sci-fi movies. I guess he and, and Gemma Chan, they represent the new Asia. Yep. Literally, that's what they call it, which includes India. But this is set primarily in Thailand, or at least that's where they filmed. Yes. The borders have dissolved uh, in the face of this conflict. They have to present a unified front because the whole world is coming for a new Asia. And so they came together right now uh, over AI. Yeah. And so Brian was really jiving with this whole idea that the AI just want to be free and they just want to live in peace. And he thought that was a pretty cool twist on not only how AI has been represented in the past in film, but also for our expectations that we would expect AI. AI goes rogue and is bad and has ill intentions for us. And that was basically what the story was until it was revealed to us by Ken Watanabe, who lets us know that the attack on L.A. was a programmatic human error and that it wasn't intended by AI to mass murder Angelinos. Right. So whether that's true or not, how is that not, you know, is it is it is the world so full of misinformation that nobody realizes this? Sure. And like Allison Janney's character, we are we forge ahead with what we think is right. And we're steadfast in that resolution because that de- it came to define her personality. And so I think we are more Allison Janney than we are Joshua or Maya or anybody like that. I mean, human error has always been the biggest justification for A.I., 
uh, Arnold says, you know, after all the uh, planes went AI, they flew with a perfect operational record, you know, and they were, and it was, Skynet was supposed to be the bomb until it became absolutely self-aware. So that idea of AI is bad and K has been handed down, has been laid down for over 40 years since the original Terminator. And since then, it had always seemed to be bad, but it was such a far-off futuristic concept, it wasn't even a factor. Gareth Edwards, our writer-director, said that when he wrote the screenplay and was showing it to people, the unanimous verdict almost was, why would AI be automatically banned? Why would, like, why would you ban it? It seems like an asset. So he actually had to devise the L.A. bombing, uh, albeit as a misdirect, to justify the banning of AI and the war in the first place, which I found a really curious position because I can't think of a movie other than The Creator where AI was embraced, at least conceptually, because of Terminator and Dead Reckoning and all these AI is bad, Lawnmower, every AI is bad, m 3 gen kind of movie. I try and think of AI neutrally, and I know that there's a great debate still raging about AI in the use of storytelling and in the creation of IP and the creation of content. I tend to think of AI as being a tool to be harnessed that, like most technology, will be additive and not necessarily replacing creators. I don't think that the movie, The Creator, has changed my opinion on AI. Did it change yours? No, except to say that it seems clear, at least, that AI didn't write The Terminator and probably AI didn't write Dead Reckoning because of the, you know, it's not going to tip its hand. It's not going to show all its cards for how it would take over humanity eventually. If any movie had been written by AI, it was probably the creator where it's like, I get that you think AI is bad, but really it's the humans who screwed up and AI is pretty okay. Give it another look. <laughs> but I, I don't know. There's, I don't know enough about AI. I'm suspicious of it, but so far it hasn't messed with my human connection to things like movies and entertainment. So I'm kind of okay with it so far, as long as it continues to help me. But by the time it fully comes around and starts enslaving people, I'll probably be long dead. So I'm not too too concerned about it. So if Kelly turned around and confessed to you that she was a simulant, what would you say? It doesn't, I mean, if I didn't know the whole time and it didn't impact our relationship, then sure, I can keep going with that. Maintain status quo, because why mess up a good thing? But if I always had my doubts if I was like, ah, there was always something kind of off about her, then I could point to AI and be like, that's the reason. <laughs> uh, the great twist is when Gareth Edwards is outed as AI as yeah. Disney's first filmmaking simulant. Yeah. And then we're all like, what? Because it thinks that Gareth is a human name. It's like an AI <laughs> version of a human name. See, that that's where the, the multiple layers of the logic work against you because you like they would think that you would think that it, they would pick a more human right common name right you know that's the trick the layers it's buried logic. in the code and it's buried under so much that it would take a lot of processing a lot of piecing through millions of lines of code to uncover the truth that's what i'm saying so gareth edwards writer and director of the creator and your final rating is 
I really liked their creator. I came out with a good feeling, and and post-apocalyptic particularly, sci-fi tends to not land very well with me. For some reason, they're all dirty in a highly technical world and all wearing scarves and stuff, but whatever. I think that the creator was really good. I was excited to talk about it, and I, will, I, I could watch the creator again, which is more than I can say for a lot of movies. It was creative and new and original and had enough. And the one part that I'll tell you what I'll watch over and over again is my favorite part of the creator. Can you guess what that might be? I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm trying to think when, when Brian was bark laughing. I don't know. Tell me. Oh, man. That was when the chubby chuggers were dispatched across the bridge to do the kamikaze bombing run <laughs> by run. I mean, literally, they were like the Tweedledees and Tweedledums of destruction. And I just like that they were like linebackers knocking people out of the way and like diving like orcs at the Battle of, of Helm's Deep. Oh, that was so amazing. I took so and much everybody's joy. Everybody's just watching in long anticipation. I just love it. It would come out of the out of the fog like I fully expected Maya to and just come chugging straight at you. And it was all fat and loaded with the bomb that was delightful and i didn't want it to end <laughs> red rover red rover send new chubby chugger over the ai could easily have sent drones that would have been just as effective it may not have been as big a bomb payload but you know it's high tech they could make it make it like a, a, a mini nuclear reaction but they had big giant bombs and i think the running was meant to be funny and that and i really appreciated that <laughs> There were a couple moments where this movie let its hair down. I have a warm, a strangely warm and fuzzy feeling that I, I think this might actually be the right time of year to release, maybe not this movie, but this episode at or whatever movies. And I'm going to give it a solid all right rating. Is it a classic? I don't know. Maybe in its very specific small genre. I think it's my favorite Gareth Edwards movie, Come At Me Bro. I liked it better than Rogue One, which I found to be a little bit forgettable. So maybe coming with something fresh and original, reasonably speaking out of the gate with the creator was enough for me to hold it in pretty high regard. I mean, not many people can do it. A medium budget, original story, sci-fi spectacle. That's kind of a very special niche that I think I'd like to encourage with a good rating. And that's our discussion on The Creator, currently available in theaters. If you enjoyed this episode of The Creator, check out our 300 plus fully human episodes <laughs> of other movie discussions here at orwhatevermovies.com or wherever you get podcasts, 818-835-0473 or whatevermovies at gmail.com is how you contact us. We're real humans and we love to hear from you. Thank you for listening. Happy Thanksgiving and we'll see you next time. Welcome to Ringside with Ray and Prince. My name is Ray Leonard Jr. Oh, that's no, that's just my dad. My name is Prince Daniels Jr. Daniels again with a big hole. On this show, we come to humanize athletes, entertainers, business executives. We're going to see what makes them tick. Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Peace and power. Electric Acid. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Peter. We're the founders of Electricast Media, bringing you great podcasts like Nightmare Road Stories, Tech Talk Revolution, and Bodacious Minds. Electricast networks include Ruby for female empowerment, the best business network, and GPN for geopolitics. We built this company to create community and amplify diverse voices, and we really appreciate your support. So, keep listening to Electricast Podcasts and hear the culture. 
Electricast.